Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. And this is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. Hello. Hello. Welcome in. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm good. I sound weird. Sorry. I have allergies. Still. Still have that. Still happening. Still still going on. Still going on. (laughs) Sports and allergies. That's all we do around here. It was actually funny because this morning I I watched the Today Show. I think I've mentioned that every morning with my coffee. And they were talking about like right now how allergy season is like the worst it's ever been, I think. I think they say that every year. Well, probably. It's like the bachelor season. This is the most dramatic season of the bachelor in history. Um, So yeah, that's probably true. But like the little blurb at the bottom was like, is it allergies or COVID? (laughs) We have the answers. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. No. News situations these days. (laughs) Yeah. I think that there is a uh, probably a school for people to go to for like catchy headlines. Oh. That's all your well, job I mean, is to come up with headlines that make people be like, what? <laughs> click. <yeah. laughs> like click. It's just writers. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's their only job is headlines. They don't write the story. Oh, yeah, they yeah. don't like <laughs> the, their yeah, only job is to like be a clickbait headline writer. Yeah. That's true. Allergies are COVID. <gasps> I don't know. Let me see. I know. We have the answers. <laughs> what are the answers, sir? Click. Too bad I wasn't actually listening to that segment, so I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't have the answers for you right now. It's allergies for me. It is. But I did yeah. take a test. Because <laughs> you got to be careful. You really don't know. No. No. And now it's like cold and flu season, too, or colds. I shouldn't say that. Cause that's kind of passing, but like people are getting colds yeah. too. And so everyone's just freaking out and nobody's wearing masks. So everybody's actually catching the cold. Yeah. We're spreading crap or they're not wearing masks. Yeah. So anyway, so Langdon got sick and I test him cause I know, you know, if I send him back to school, they're going to be like, uh, what's going on. And so the nurse actually called one time and I was like, I will let you know I'm a serial tester. <laughs> she just laughed and laughed and laughed and she's like I needed that laugh today and I was like I just you can't be can't be too pot sure so test him this way when I get the phone call I'd be like nope negative <laughs> it's fine that could be a headline <laughs> why you should be a serial tester <laughs> see you could write them yeah and I mean I know maybe like p- other people would just be like I'm just not sending my kids even if they have colds which is totally great and awesome except that child stays home and then runs around the house playing basketball. And so I'm sorry. You are well enough to sit through school. Yes. You know, you're fine. You're fine. So I have one <laughs> so. at home today because he – yesterday was his birthday and he had football practice and he got a concussion and had to glue his eyebrow. <laughs> So I left it. I kept him home. It's spring break is happening. Like they're not doing anything anyway. And so drama, sports. There you go. Drama. That's what we're doing. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. (laughs) Okay. Happy. um, Also, real quick, I'm cheersing myself. Cheers. Because today, while we're recording this intro, is my 18-year cancer-free anniversary. Woohoo! Cheers to that. Clink, clink, <laughs> clink, clink, clink. Water, but yes, that's amazing. Literally amazing news. We're so happy. 
that you beat the the C word, the other C word, huh? the bigger C word. Such a ugh. so many people right now too, like that we know that oh. are fighting, and it's like, yep. Anyway, so but we are thankful for your story and that Thanks. it continues eighteen years and counting, girl. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's ever something that's you don't like say yes on the day of. Yeah, like your birthday, a hundred percent, your second chance day. Right. Like, hey, this is it. I used to like pl- not plan for it, but like it used to be, I would know it's coming like weeks in advance. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, and I'd be excited for some reason. So I was nervous in the beginning, but I only remembered like yesterday. Yeah. This. Thing. I was like, oh my gosh, tomorrow is it. Whoa. Almost, almost missed it. <laughs> it is around your actual birthday too. Yeah. It's four days after. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, if you're not a Patreon, go be a Patreon because also on Friday, a new one is going to drop. That's real good. Yeah. I chose it. It's me. I'm the listener suggester. <laughs> <laughs> So that's yes, cool. That um, and we do have my sister joined our Patreon. So thank you, Laura. You're the best sister. Yes, thank you. Com. It was a real labor of love figuring it out <laughs> for her, but we got it. So it's good. And we're glad to have you in the closet, sister. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's all the news. That, that's all it you got? All the updating the news? Complete. Okay. Well, then. You ready for a story? I am. Here we go. Okay. So, you ready for a case? I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Good. Um, I've got one for you, and it was a suggestion from Allison on Instagram. She is actually a friend of mine from North Carolina. Oh, hello, Allison. Yes. We went to the same church. Oh. And they just moved out west to church plant. And they also just started a podcast. Okay. Yes. I remember you telling me about Allison. Hello. Yes. Peace in the Valley. If anybody wants to check that out. Mm-hmm. You just talk at night while over snacks and talk about raising teens. Whoa. And well, kids and having peace in the Valley. Love it. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Um, So anyways, she sent this to us, um, and it is the case of Sherry Rasmussen, Mm -hmm. which is somewhat of a big one that I've seen a lot of. So Sherry was born February 7th, 1957 to Nels and Loretta Rasmussen. She has two sisters, Connie and Teresa. She was a very kind and gentle, hardworking woman, so hardworking that she became a nurse at the age of 20, which means pretty quick. Like, I mean, I was yeah. a mess when I was 20, so. Well, I was a mess. I mean, I, I didn't graduate until I was 21, so I don't know, like, if she, like, graduated earlier than she mm. was supposed to or went through. But anyway, she became a nurse at 21, or I mean 20, and then by 27, she was the director of critical care nursing, the critical care nursing department at Glendale Adventist Hospital in Glendale, California. So she's, like, kind of high up by the time she's 27. Yeah, she's the boss lady. Yeah, she was. She met John Rutten in the summer of 1984, who he's an engineer, and they got married in November on November 23rd, 1985, and lived in a 
townhome in Van Nuys, California. I've heard that name before, but I had no idea where it was, so I had to look up. Um, it's about 45 minutes northwest of Los Angeles. Okay. So just so you have a reference point. On the morning of February 24th, 1986, the day started out just as any other would have. John typically leaves for work before Sherry. And that morning, Sherry was contemplating calling out sick because part of her job was to supervise some of these lectures that I guess she wasn't so much a fan of. She didn't really feel like they were beneficial. And so she didn't like doing them. So she was like, well, maybe I'll just call out sick today. Okay, Sherry. John left for work, unsure if she was, he was like, do what you want. If you stay home, go back to sleep, like get some extra sleep, whatever. Yeah, play hooky, girl. Yeah. So he thought about calling her sometime in the morning, but then was like, well, if she decided to not go in and she fell back asleep, I don't want to disturb her, so I won't call her. So then later on, he calls her at the office in the hospital, and her assistant was like, well, I haven't seen her yet, but that isn't unusual. She's like, when she has lectures, she doesn't know typically come in here before she does that and so you know whatever it's fine she just isn't here yet so he arrives home later that day from work and he pulls up to the garage which was ground level so they're in a town home Mm -hmm. so their garage is ground level but then they have like a balcony above that that is on their second floor Mm -hmm. and when he pulled up to the garage they he saw there was some broken glass in front of the garage door but he didn't really think anything of it because Sherry can be kind of klutzy. Well, I don't know if this is klutzy, but haphazard. And he was like, well, maybe she just hit her mirror as she was oh. pulling out and it broke and whatever. She's just going to keep going because, well, what are you going to do in that moment? Just we'll get it fixed later. So that's what he thought it was. So then he walked into the home and he saw found Sherry on the floor of the living room as soon as he walked in, not moving. As he got closer, he saw that she had blood all over her, bruises on her face, and when he touched her, she was cold to the touch, so he knew she'd probably already gone. He immediately called the police, and when they arrived, they found Sherry had been beaten and shot three times. Oh, later, my. Yes. Later identified by um, as thirty eight caliber bullets. Um, she was shot twice in the chest and then one time in the abdomen. Hmm. And then there was also a bite mark on her left arm, like her left forearm. Okay. Like a human bite mark? Yes. Okay. Yes. Like there was a struggle and someone bit her to like get her to let go or whatever. A biter. Okay. Yes, we have a biter. Um, They did swab the bite mark for DNA and took impressions, hoping that later they would try and like match it to like dental records of somebody or sometime at... I don't know when, but I was a little bit surprised that they took DNA because it was 1986, mm-hmm. and I felt like, was that a thing yet? Or maybe it was just like in the beginning stages, and so they were like, let's do it so that we have it for when we can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, it's also possible, too, that they just swabbed it to get a swab of it and not necessarily for da- DNA, but later they were oh. able to use it. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's true. Later yeah, they were like, oh, true. you took a swab? There'll be DNA on that. So they didn't right. like specifically know that's what they were swabbing for, but it turned out that's right. what they were that's what they got. So I guess I'm just questioning like what they thought they were swabbing it for. Just you know, evidence. Time. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. So um there is a also right close 
near her and right at the bottom of the stairs, there's a VCR and stereo stacked up, Mm -hmm. just sitting on the floor there. And there's a smudge of blood on top of it. There was no sign of forced entry into the apartment. They There was a couple of shelves that had been knocked over, and the balcony door upstairs was broken. Okay. So that was the sliding glass door that was above the garage, which was the glass okay. that he saw, but didn't notice that, that he didn't look up to see, because I guess he didn't think, well, why would my glass sliding door be broken? Okay. Anyway, so it definitely looks as if there was a struggle Mm-hmm. you know, happening in the apartment. And there's a large vase on the floor next to her. The investigators on the case also found a quilt nearby, and it had bullet holes with powder burns on it. So the first shot had been taken from a distance, but then the second and third ones were taken point blank okay, to make sure she was dead, essentially. So whoever did this muffled it with the quilt mm. and was also, like, determined to make sure she wasn't going to make it. Okay. So they also said that the first shot would have killed her. It, she would have bled out within minutes. So there really wasn't any need for the, those last two. So it was, it was intentional. Mm. It was assumed that there was some sort of struggle, struggle, like I said, and that the person bit her to break free, possibly hit her over the head with that vase that was on the floor to stun her. And so because maybe there was a struggle over the gun and they mm-hmm. she got it away but and so they needed to do something. This was just all speculation oh, based on like stuff that was, you know, she fought, surrounding her. Yeah. Mhm. Mm. Sherry's car was missing from the garage. So initially John had thought like she wasn't home from work yet. Right. His car, her car wasn't in there. But it was just found a week later on the street on a street in Van Nuys, unlocked with the car with the keys in the ignition. So that was the only thing that was taken from the house. Well, that and their marriage certificate. Nothing else was taken. There was all of the jewelry, the stereo and the VCR that was stacked right there. Marriage certificate and the car was taken. Wait, 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 wait. How how did they even discover the marriage certificate was missing? Well, that I don't know. Was I mean, there like were... an open cabinet with files in it and that okay, was taken? Okay, so I don't know that for sure. Um, I will say that they're newlyweds, and so it's possible that it was out somewhere that he noticed right away, but I don't know. I don't know for sure. Hmm. I don't know for sure. Did they ever find it? Was it in the car? I don't think it was in the car. Huh. Mm -mm. So that's weird. Yeah, it is weird, and I think it was mentioned a lot as we go through this case and we find out truths about it, why it was the one thing that was taken so I think it's just mentioned everywhere because this is there's reasons why. It's important. Anyway, Got it. It's important. The initial investigators right like right away said this is a burglary gone wrong. Someone came in thinking no one was there. Sherry surprised them. They killed her and left. A few days later, um, another break in not far happened. Mm-hmm. So then this just kind of solidified their idea that okay, this is just what happened. Like, but nothing was taken. Doesn't make any sense. At all. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, okay. But in this investigator's mind, this is where he went, and this is where he's, what he stuck to. He was like, it was a burglary. Then the burglary happened. Okay, yes, for sure, this is what happened. And then he even had, um, like, suspects, these two drawings of sus- suspects, two Latin men that he was convinced were the people who committed these crimes. Okay. So, 
Um, John was interrogated extensively because clearly we always look to the husband first. Mm -hmm. And And the person that found the person. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Two whammies. Ultimately, he was cleared because they didn't, he, he didn't have any motive. There was no insurance money, no clear issues in their marriage. Nothing that pointed at him mm-hmm. at the time. So he was cleared pretty quickly. Nels, Sherry's dad, was not convinced it was bl- burglary from the start. Within the first days of the investigation, he spoke to the lead investigator and asked him, hey, have you talked to or looked into John's ex-girlfriend, that lady cop? He could not remember her name, but he had heard about her from Sherry. And so he was like, you need to look into this lady. Oh, what did he hear? Mm -hmm. Okay. So within the weeks preceding the murder, Sherry had told her parents about this woman who she thought was still like pining for John. Like she's still after him. She thought that they still had something going on at certain points because this lady would just pop up at their house unannounced. What? She was like, um... Why does she come? Like, at one point, I think she came right after she would have left for work. And so she started thinking, oh, wait, maybe she comes after I leave for work all the time. So she talked to John about it. John was assuring her, no, there's nothing going on. I'm not seeing her anymore. We should just ignore her, and eventually she'll go away. Like, let's just ignore her. Okay. Another time she dropped off, she, like, came by with skis and was like, can you wax these or, I don't know, whatever you do. To like make skis look better, or <laughs> I mean, can't better. You I don't know. Do it yourself. Well, you would think, Ugh. but anyway. So she does this, and Sherry was like, "I think this was just an excuse to be able to come by the house and like see John. Like she didn't really need him to do it." And so she kind of was like, "John, I don't want you to do it. Like, don't do her any favors. Like, just yeah, stop." No, and he was like, "You're not her person to go to to get your skis waxed." Yeah, exactly. No. And don't pop up at my house. That's a yeah, red leave. flag right there. If anybody comes to my house and I don't know they're coming, I'm sorry. We have a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, unless you're trying Especially to surprise if you're me. An ex. Yeah. If you're not my friend or like yeah. my family and kind of even if you are, like, give a girl a holler before you come on by, you know? Right. Yes, exactly. So she asked him, like I said, please don't do this. Like... But he did it anyway for her, and she comes back to get the skis and whatever. Then, according to a coworker of Sherry's, she would like Sherry would mention, and she also kind of witnessed, I think, some of the stuff that she would just like kind of be around in places that Sherry was, and it was just like strange and awkward. All right, she's stalking and there was, Sherry, right? And then there was one time she came a couple days, I think, maybe a week before the murder, that she came to the hospital that Sherry was working in dressed, they said provocatively. I don't really know exactly what she was wearing, but it said provocatively. (laughs) So, And she stated to Sherry, "If if she, if I cannot have John, no one can. And when your marriage fails, I will be there to pick up the pieces. Okay. Yeah, she's a little crazy, I think. Mm. And she's a cop. Oh, my gosh. Nels also thinks it's interesting that only the car, which was an engagement gift to Sherry from John, and the marriage certificate were the two things missing. So there's where that's coming. Like, she's pissed. I'm going to take the engagement present and the marriage certificate because those two are, like, significant things for her. Okay. Scorned ex-girlfriend makes a whole lot of sense here. Scorned, kind of crazy. 
ex-girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. In a report initially, they suggest that a struggle occurred for possibly an hour or more. Oh. Not sure, except for like how things looked in the house, that how they determined that that was the length of time, because I feel like it probably could have happened much quicker than that. I don't know, like something happens upstairs, you break the window, you come down the stairs, you struggle down there and shoot. Like to me, I don't know how they understand that that's an hour or more, hmm. but that's what they're thinking. And so Nels is also like focusing on that and saying, okay, so wait, you still think it's a robbery. And you think these two Latin men came in and that my daughter, although I think she's strong, fought these men off for an hour? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Right. Mm. No, it doesn't. So John also states that early on he had mentioned his ex-girlfriend. So now this is Nels mentioning the ex-girlfriend and John Nels is her he dad, right? Nels is her dad. Okay. John's the husband, mm-hmm. and they're both saying that early on in the investigation, we mentioned, you should take a look. Mm-hmm. Like, John wasn't convinced that she had something to do with it, but she, but he was like, well, but it's something to mention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said he did it within two days of the murder, and Nels said that it was within a few days, so that he mentioned it. So anyway, um, also, okay, so... He also admits later on in the investigation, I actually want to say it was years and years later, that um, the ex-girlfriend had come by one day after he was engaged and was like expressing how upset she was that he was engaged and like crying and saying not to get married mm-hmm. and that she loved him and blah, 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 blah. And he was like, sorry, I'm in love with Sherry. I'm getting married. Like this is going to happen. But they did sleep together one last time. For, okay. For closure, for closure for her. Mm-mm. No. Which, Mm-mm. Can I can I tell y'all don't that there's no closure for anybody that I no. Mm-mm. I don't know how I'm like going to explain this but you don't. You don't get closure, you just get like, "Oh, well, I still have a shot." <laughs> right. <laughs> he's sleeping with me even though he's engaged, saying that it's over, but is it really? I don't know. Right. To me, especially in a crazy person's mind. Yeah. Oh, no, John. Not a good idea doesn't need to be he's waxing more than her skis my gosh yeah so okay so let's get to know this ex-girlfriend a bit her name is stephanie lazarus and she's a police officer as i mentioned she met john in college and they lived in the same dorm building and hung out with the same people so they've known each other for a little while they dated here and there through the years but it was never anything serious according to John. And I want to say that she even kind of says that, but clearly she had a lot more feelings for him than he did. Mm -hmm. So to me, she's definitely someone to be looked at into based on all the stuff that we're hearing from Nels's dad and whatever. Well, based on her behavior. Right. Yes. The investigator on the case just keeps pursuing this burglary route and legitimately never, ever looks into Stephanie. Nice. talk to her. Nothing. Hmm. Nothing. And then even um, Nels would contact him like multiple times. Like he would keep, continue contacting the investigator to like mention it. Like, hey, have you, have you, have you? He kept pursuing it. And the cop even said, you need to stop this. There's no reason. You just watch too many cop shows. Like, there's no reason to think that she has anything to do with this. So just drop it. Do you think it was because she was a cop? Well, that's part of, yes. Okay. Yes. I 100% believe that that's because she's a cop. Okay. That, 
maybe he didn't want to look into one of his own. And maybe he truly felt like, well, it's not, she wouldn't have killed her over this. Like, I mean, she was a pretty well-known and well-respected police officer. So I, maybe he really didn't think she had anything to do with it, but he still should have given it a look. I right. mean, and so, yeah, he, I don't like, know. Like, just figure out where she was that day. That's all you have to do. Right, exactly. Was she on duty? Yeah. Was she not? Whatever. Nothing. But nothing was ever done. Nothing. He would actually, even the lead investigator, would go on record years later to say that he was never made aware of Stephanie as a suspect. Ah. And in the case file, there were pages that would be missing that would <gasps> be the pages that would be included like early on where, oh, Nels mentioned this. John mentioned this person. You know, like those pages were missing. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. And so... She, he'd be, he was like, she wasn't even mentioned to me. There was one note made years after, and that was still in the case file, that only said John confirmed Stephanie was his ex. That was the only note about her in the case file, period, hmm. which was like a random note, because why would she have to be confirmed when she hasn't even been mentioned mm-hmm, mm-hmm. prior to this, or we don't see the pages that she was mentioned prior to this. So anyway, you can imagine by now this, like where my head's going like uh-huh. po- freaking police <laughs> like you know you're not doing your job you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing in this so needless to say this case kind of goes cold because they never find these guys that are burglarizing they don't have any other leads to go on because there's no one else to look into mm-hmm. quote unquote except stephanie but he's refusing to do it so stephanie goes on to have this great career in law enforcement she starts out as a patrol officer then she moves into the art theft department, which I guess is kind of high profile because it's like um, people with a lot of money have these big pieces of art and they get stolen and then there's an investigation and it was like in the news. And so huh. she kind of has this high profile-ish role. Interesting. Yeah. She taught D.A.R.E. for a while. Oh, D.A.R.E. She was in the yeah. <laughs> homicide <laughs> department and in internal affairs as well, apparently. So wow. she's a really well-respected Police officer. She's even raised funds to start a daycare for police officers in the police department so that they would have somewhere to send their children. She had a stellar record as a cop. She got married and eventually adopted a daughter of her own. Hmm. So her and John never got together after Sherry's death. So she moved on. She did move on. On somebody else to wax her skis. She did. Okay. She 100% did. And John actually remarried after that and I think had a family on his own. But there was a, I think in like 1989 that comes up at some point in this investigation that they did go to Hawaii or he met her in Hawaii, but she went with some like another guy friend of hers and then he went to Hawaii also at the same time and met them. I don't think there was anything romantic, but I don't know. Clearly, I have no idea. But there was a note that he had called the investigator, or at least he says he did. He said before he went to Hawaii, he called the investigator to make sure that there was no reason to think that Stephanie had anything to do with his wife's murder. And the guy was like, no. And so it's like he did kind of come back to it at one point to make sure that he Hmm. wasn't about to go and like hang out with somebody who murdered his wife. Right. So it still was in his head, Uh even a couple years later. Anyway, so they both get married. Move on. Nels. Dad, right? Nels, dad, yes. Never 
gives up on trying to find out who killed his daughter. He's now offering a $10,000 reward for info leading to an arrest. And this is in 1993. So this is like seven years Mm -hmm. after her murder. And this is also when he starts hearing about DNA testing. And so he's like, oh, well, this is interesting. Let me give that a investigator a call now and see what his thoughts are on getting, you know, those swabs tested. Hmm. So he gives him a call and he was told that they have a limited budget and that they could not do this. They didn't have the money to do it. So Nels was like, well, I got some money. Mm -hmm. I'll Mm -hmm. pay for it. I even contacted a lab that's willing to do it. So let's get this show on the road. Nels. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nels, thanks. Oh, dads but. are the best. Well, some dads. Nels was the best. Yes. <laughs> yes. Nels, Nels, her dad was the best. So he was told by the investigator that without a suspect, the DNA testing would do no good to the case because there was nothing to compare it to. Right. Because there was like, no CODIS at that time or anything, right? Right. Yes, exactly. But he's like, but you do have a suspect. You just refuse to look into her. Like, mm-hmm. come on, if you do this, and then you can prove, you can prove that she has nothing to do with it then, if that's how you want to do this. Yeah, you can, Nels. Right, yeah. So, again, after this, because he gets refused, Sherry's case goes cold for another 11 years. Oh, no, bless his heart. Oh. In 2001, a cold case unit was created, but it took them three years to get to Sherry's because they're like going over all these cold cases with a fine tooth comb to like see if they can solve any of them. But it so it took them three years to get to hers because they had so many other ones. Mm-hmm. So they finally open it in 2004. Wow. And an inve- yeah, the investigator looking into it sees that there were samples taken in the crime report, but do they don't have the they can't find the actual samples. Uh, in the file. Oh, no, they're with the pages, aren't they? <laughs> right. Probably. Oh, no, no. no we, we know where they are. Hold on. Oh. She notes that in 1993, the same year Nels asks them to test the DNA, another detective signs out all of the forensic evidence in this case to go for testing. Oh, okay. But there's no note. Like, usually there's a request from the investigator with like, okay, we're going to put this request in and this person's going to come and pick it up. There was no request put in. This guy is just said to have signed all of it out to go for testing. But there are no test results ever recorded. Nothing. So the evidence just then is just missing because they're like, well, where is it? It didn't go for testing. It's not in this file. What the heck happened to it? Why did this guy do this? And then this guy is now saying, I don't have any memory of taking that evidence out. So A, did he take it out and like lose it because somebody asked him? Or B, did somebody use his name and he really has no recollection of it because they were like, oh, this guy's a nobody in the department. They won't ever look into him. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know. Huh. Those just okay, my... Okay. I'm getting nervous. My, I know. <laughs> don't, don't get nervous. Don't get nervous. <laughs> okay. So this cold case investigator that's looking into it, she understands the process. So she knows that evidence is taken from a victim's body and would be held in the coroner's freezer, freezer during the time that the investigation is active. And then at some point after that, it would be gathered and stored in a file. So she calls the initial coroner's office and inquires about it. They can't find any file on it or don't find any of the um, forensic stuff in the file on it. So they physically go to search the freezer themselves where they find an envelope with a file number that's worn off so they can't see it, but the name Rasmussen was written on it. Oh. And inside there was a tube little screw top tube with two swabs <gasps> inside. 
Dress like a COVID test, guys. Yeah. Just like a COVID test. <laughs> I think about that when I have to go do COVID testing, how it's like very crime scene But anyway. It is crime scene <laughs> Send this away. Yep. So in January of 2005, they get the DNA test results back and they find out it's from, it came from a woman. Well. It's a woman's DNA. And this is the bite mark, correct? Yes, this is from the bite okay. mark. So they, this now negates your burglary theory, mm-hmm. Mr. Investigator, or at least puts a wrench in it. Like, it wasn't those two Latin men, because then he's like, well, one of them could have been a woman. It's probably the still the two burglars, but it could have, just, could have been a woman. <sighs> anyway, whatever. So, and he also, um, let me mention this, years ago, it was questioned of if it could be from a woman, because they said women are more likely to bite yeah. than a man. Mm-hmm. But he was like, well, men can do it. They they would do it if they needed to. But anyway. Biting so he is was kind just, of a last ditch effort to get away right. or something. You know, like if you're a man. Or to get somebody to let go of something. Right. Be like, yeah. Let go of you, I think, if you're like holding maybe and you just have that right advantage right there. I don't know. So anyway, again, though, she doesn't have any notes about Stephanie because the case file doesn't. Oh, my gosh. So, again, it goes cold because she's like, well, okay, so now we know it's a woman, but where do I go from here? Who do I look at from here? Yeah. Because I've got nobody. Oh, my gosh. Call Nell. Yeah, right. Exactly. And she needs to call Nell's. So it fills out, fizzles out again for another several more years. And in, ni- in 2009, two new investigators were assigned to look at the case again and take a deep dive. They come up with their own theory on what happened in the townhome. They said instead of Sherry surprising the burglars, someone came into the home and surprised her upstairs. Because I think she was still like in her pajamas and like robe when she was out. Mm-hmm. The intruder shot at her twice, shattering those sliding glass doors, okay. which they said makes consistent because of the way they were broken out. The glass went out. So, and they were bowed in such a way that would be consistent with them being shot at. Mm-hmm. So they said that then Sherry probably ran down the stairs to possibly get out of the townhome or maybe push the panic button on her alarm system because she had one. When the intruder catches up to her and attacks her, they struggle. And this is when they think she's bitten on the arm, mm-hmm. maybe to cause her to let go of the attacker, like I said. The attacker then hits her over the head with that vase that was next to her mm-hmm. to stun her. Grabs the gun, shoots her in the chest, and then grabs the quilt to shoot her two more times and stages the scene as a burglary because the stack of electronics was right there. And so that's why they also said it was burg like they were surprised mm-hmm. and put it down, whatever, but then left without it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And in a car, too, that was parked in a garage. Like, you, no one sees you. You've yeah. got time right. to, like, load yeah. the car up. Yeah, exactly. Now that she's dead. And you've muffled mm-hmm. two shots. And can I just say too, Sherry, holy smokes, she did all of that while shot in the stomach. No, 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 no. She didn't get shot okay, until okay. downstairs after the struggle is what they're saying. Okay, understood. Got it. Yeah, like they, she was shot at twice upstairs, okay. but they missed. Got and it. That's how the sliding glass door is. So she didn't get shot at until she was downstairs. Okay. Or shot. Still, man, what a fighter. I know. She, yeah, she was a fighter. So they're saying that it was staged for reasons we've already said, like they could have had time. But one, the other reason was they, the VCR and stereo were stacked like very neatly right mm. next to the stairs. And so they're like, if there's a struggle happening 
Don't you think something would have gotten moved and pushed out of place or whatever? And they're just sitting there. And also, their smudge of blood that was on top leads them to think that they touched this after uh-huh. this happened. And it was just a smudge. It wasn't a fingerprint. So it's they think whoever was wearing gloves. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they think they were just staging it as a, a burglary. These investigators also catch the one comment in the notes about John confirming Stephanie was an ex. And this is where they're like, well, why is that even mentioned? Like, why did we have to confirm Stephanie was an ex? What does she have to do with anything? So they start looking into that. They find, they're like, first thing we have to do is find out if she's on duty that day because she's not going to commit yes. a murder. Most cops will not commit a murder if, she's on, if they're on duty. She was not. She was off that day. Oh. They also know that police officers usually have two weapons, and they wouldn't commit a crime with their service weapon, like their on-duty weapon. Okay. But maybe they would if they used their other one. So they look into her weapons and look up, and they find that right after graduating from the academy, Stephanie purchased a thirty-eight caliber Smith & Wesson. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They look up both registered weapons, and Stephanie had reported reported her off-duty weapon stolen weeks after the murder. Huh. Wow. So now they're like, well, she must have gotten rid of that. That's so annoying. All of that could have been done so long ago. If the one lead investigator would have just given this one iota of attention. <laughs> so it's at this point that they bring in the info to their supervisors and are like, okay. Because they didn't want to because clearly it's a cop. And if they're going to make an accusation, they need to be sure or at least be kind of sure that they are barking up the wrong tree. Because they don't like to accuse them each other of crimes. So right. They take it to their supervisor and they're like, we need to get her DNA. Mm-hmm. And the supervisor's like, yep, yeah, okay. This needs to be a covert operation, though. Oh. Tell no one. Nobody should know. Because when I tell you, she works across the hall from where they're investigating her. Oh, <laughs> so wow. Proximity-wise, everything's super close. And they're like, you guys basically are the only ones that can kind of know about this. Like, you have to have a small group of people. So they end up flying, or not flying, following her for like weeks. Until one day she's at Costco with her daughter, and they sit outside and have a snack. And she throws away a cup and a straw, which the investigators go and collect. And when they get the results, it's a match. (gasps) The chances that Stephanie was not the person who bit Sherry is something like seven octillion billion whatever, that large number that you always hear when it comes to DNA with so many zeros at the end that make basically means there's zero chance it was somebody else. Yes, understood. This is what it was. Mm-hmm. That. So they're like, okay, well, now we need to bring her in and talk to her. We don't want to, like, tip her off. So they go over to her in the office, and they're like, hey, we have someone in custody right now that is involved in a case that you are investigating, so we want to bring you over, and so you can have a chat with him, blah, blah, blah. So they bring her into, an, like, an interrogation room, and they have a hidden camera, and they start talking to her. They start asking her questions about John and how she knows him and if she knew Sherry, blah, 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 blah. And at first, she's kind of like, well, what does that have to do with anything? He's like, well, Sean or John was mentioned in this case, so we just kind of – and then you're connected to him by this, so we just want to kind of get some background information. So okay. she's like, Okay. And she's real squirrely in this interview. I bet. 
she basically at first she's like, I don't remember if I've met her. And then if then it turns into, well, sure, it's possible that we had some conversations. And then about 30 minutes in, she's like, yeah, I think I now remember I may have gone to the hospital to talk to Sherry. You know, so it's like slowly she's like, things are sounding familiar now that you're talking to me about this. Yeah, I kind of remember that. But what she says is that she went to tell Sherry that she needs to have John, like, Sherry, tell John to leave me alone. Y'all are engaged, but he keeps calling me. Hmm. So that's what she said that she was telling Sherry. Doubtful. <laughs> She's basically babbling on and on and on about things. I watched this. This interrogation's over an hour, and I watched the entire thing. Oh. And it's, it's it was fascinating to watch her and just, like, she, like, stumbles over words and whatever. You can tell that she was basically lying just straight from the beginning. Um, she's super awkward. She eventually gets to a point where she thinks that they think she's, uh, you know, a suspect in this. And she's like, okay, it sounds like I need a lawyer. You guys are suspecting me. I probably shouldn't talk anymore. And this is insane. I don't know why you think I have anything to do with this, blah, blah, blah. And so they're like, well, you're free to go. Like, we just wanted to talk to you about some stuff, and you're free to go anytime. Like, you're not under arrest, whatever. So she's like, okay, well, I, I think you think I'm a suspect, and I need to get out of here. So she gets up to leave. She walks out, is immediately arrested outside the room. Oh, my gosh. Murder. And within two minutes, they bring her right back into that room. They read her her rights and ask if she would like to speak to them. And she's like, nope. And so they take her out and walk her to jail. Hmm. Um, journals of hers were found during their investigation because clearly they've got, once they arrest her, they have a little bit of time to pull some other stuff together. And they can see how she talked about how depressed she was when she found out about John and how she still loved him and so blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, she was not giving into any of that during the inter- interrogation. Right. Like, yeah, we broke up. We were friends. Like, whatever. He kept calling me. Yeah, exactly. Her trial starts early 2012, and in March of 2012, she's convicted of first-degree murder, and in May of 2012, is sentenced to 27 years to life. Hmm. 26 years after Sherry's murder. Mm -mm -mm. So, was this investigated poorly on purpose because a cop was mentioned? My opinion? Yeah. I think so. So... And you may not know this, but the cop, the bad investigator, the, mm-hmm. well, let's, the neglectful investigator, I guess we should mm-hmm. say, was he still around when she was actually convicted or even living? He's or? retired. He's been interviewed since. Oh, and what's he saying? Basically, like, he had Oops. no reason to think. Yeah, like, they had no reason to think that it was her and there was no reason and she wasn't mentioned. This is when all the stuff of... She wasn't mentioned early on, so we didn't hear about her till years later, and it was there was no reason to think that she had anything to do with it, because she was a decorated cop and whatever, which wasn't true. So his, so him taking the pages out, right, where mm-hmm. the, the notes mm-hmm. in the file, they never proved that. They just suspected no, that that happened. Yes, they just suspect it happened, and they actually did do an investigation into the like how this was investigated, and they ended up concluding that there was no way to prove that anything was done purposefully mm-hmm. to he impede this investigation. So they didn't. <laughs> um, her bird is excited. Happened. No, it's actually my dog. Oh, her dog walking around like <laughs> shaking, making a <laughs> Um So they did investigate it, but said that there was no way to 
prove that anything wrongful had happened or they did anything wrong on purpose, which I think is bull. But anyway. Well, I guess if there's no way to prove it. Okay. And Nels saw Mm -hmm. this woman arrested and sentenced. Good. Okay. So he saw justice served for his daughter. And wow. Mm -hmm. And I will say, I'm going to post pictures of this lady. (laughs) And she looks so crazy. In the, all the pictures that, like, during her trial, she's, like, her eyes are, like, always, like, bugging out and, like, crazy looking. Uh-huh. And one of the things that Sherry had said to her dad or, like, coworkers is that she had one day felt like she was being followed by somebody who was, like, wearing a hoodie or whatever. But she could – she got a glimpse of the person's eyes and they just looked crazy. Like, it, they were haunting. And so everybody was, like, that's probably the eyes that Sherry saw that time. Like, oh, they, no. they were, like – we she's she's i'll send you pictures before this case comes out but it she's crazy looking so also didn't read it but there is a book didn't read it basically because it's almost 600 pages from what i saw and it's called the lazarus files a cold case investigation by matthew mcgaw who just took a deep dive into this and i would like to read it probably one day just to get like really specifics about the case because he had access to like everything essentially after once she was convicted. So um, I would like to read it, but I could not read 600 pages before this. Yeah. Well, and it <laughs> sounds like there was enough out there. You didn't really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So anyway. Poor Sherry. Oh my gosh. That was really mishandled. Yeah. By everybody. Yes. By her husband. Kind of mishandled yeah. that situation. Like. Well, yeah. And the fact that he didn't push. You know, to have her, I guess, because he didn't really think that she had anything like, yeah, she was nutty, but he didn't really think that meant he would, she would kill his wife. But I don't know. In the, um, in one of the trials, when they got to speak, I guess maybe that was like victim impact statements that they were making. He did actually during his apologize to the family. I watched part of it and he was like, because it kills me to know that she died because she met me mm-hmm. like yeah that, it was her only that was the only reason she died it was someone from his met past me. mm-hmm. yeah so he seems super remorseful about well, i'm sure all of it oh, but that's sad yeah that's a sad case but i'm so glad that they figured mm-hmm. it out it's just a real shame yeah that it took so long and that she did not spend her life in prison she didn't pay you know what i mean like she was able she had a fantastic to, career <laughs> yeah and a life that sherry didn't get to have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay yep. good case yeah it was a good one mm-hmm. i like yeah. it thanks allison thanks allison <laughs> thanks for the case thanks for telling it i definitely know the name rasmussen mm-hmm. super cool name yeah that's sad. Okay. I kind of want to read the book. Well, I do too. And so I may actually do it at some point and then we can still give it away even if it's, who knows, maybe I'll read it before this actually drops. I'm <laughs> not going to do it. No. We're going to no, move I'm on. Having trouble. <laughs> I'm having trouble reading the book that I've cur- oh, been reading for I don't know how many weeks. Ugh. Me too. I'm having Just, trouble. I don't know why. I'm not in a reading mood right now. Mm-hmm. So anyway. I feel that I'm not either, but this was a good, that's a, it's a good case. Sad. Mm-hmm. 
justice was served. That's good. But like, oh, gosh, crimes are never rewarding. I don't know why we do this. <laughs> no. Well, we're glad that you guys are at least on the ride with us. And good suggestion, Allison. Okay. Happy Monday. Thanks for hanging out. Come find us on social media. Join our Patreon if you want more. And always remember, the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closet.